Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. Every club, every team, every stadium needs a permutations man. And never was this more devastatingly displayed than in Edinburgh last night, who wildly celebrated a six-point victory over Saracens in the Heineken Cup, which was absolutely and utterly useless to their ambition of getting a home quarterfinal. They needed one more point to overtake Saracens and move into uh, fourth in Poulet. But no one told Henry Pergos, who booted the ball out of play to raucous applause from the, I'm afraid to say it, ill-informed fans and quizzical slash appalled looks from his teammates. I mean, his coach said after the game that he supported it, but I mean, the ball had already been booted out of play at that stage. I, I feel like the coach was just sticking up for his guy there. Hello and welcome to today's Second Happens podcast. Hello there, Ken. Hello, Karen. How are you? And hello there, Simon. Hey, Murphy, Ken. Uh, I mean, listen. Edinburgh Saracens was not the most dramatic sporting event of what was actually an extremely busy uh, weekend of sport. But I hate to be that guy. I mean, Yannick is out for this one. Well, the winners of all the eight ties go through to the quarterfinals. <laughs> God, it's actually been a while since I heard that. Uh, listen. You know, if only someone had shouted stop, even in the stands, if the fans had been a little better informed, then maybe Henry Pergos would have done this. I remember being in Parnell Park in 2019 as Galway lost to Dublin in the Leinster Hurling Championship, looking at three Galway lads in front of me, shrugging their shoulders and saying, oh, I think we've missed out in the Leinster final here because the top two goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. Third team uh, uh, is still in the championship. And, you know, I obviously regret looking back now, getting them all in headlocks and telling them that we were out. The year's hurling was over. It's finished. It's only natural that there would be a broad spectrum of understanding, particularly if, as in Edinburgh's case, you're dealing with a 12-team pool in which teams only play four games. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I did tell you a couple of weeks ago, Simon, that I was off duty if you came at me with your... Permutations, man. Yeah, understandable. I mean, the entire system was a bit of a farce, and I was even the Edinburgh fans are confused by it. Yeah, and you know, you know that you're dealing with a better class of fan up there. We all you know actually that. Are. Every single one of them with a surname for a first name. <laughs> that, that's when you know you're dealing with classy individuals. But no, I was going into this weekend of rugby expecting to be completely appalled by the lack of jeopardy. 
You know, all these games mm. that we've watched over the course of the last yep. uh, four weeks. Actually more Jeopardy than the old format. It's true. There was more Jeopardy. It just everyone cared a little less because, yep. you know, all you were doing was jockeying for a position as opposed to, you know, like a, a group of four teams. It's a very yep. easy to you got to work pretty format. hard to get eliminated from this thing before the round of 16. Yeah, I mean, 24 teams reduced to 16 after all those games. But um, to, to be fair, the three games I watched, the three games involving Irish teams, were actually pretty good. There was a bit of edge to them all. Yep. But it still seems like this competition is just way too big. Why not four pools of four with 16 teams who actually want to be in the competition? I mean, I'm looking at, was it Pool A or Pool B? Pool A had four French teams from ninth to 12th in the bottom four positions. <laughs> and I mean, the top four teams are a pretty good league. I'm going to say that that is not a true reflection of their, their strengths or their interest in rugby. No, that's, it, it is a very fair reflection of their interest in the European Cup, I think, yep. to be fair. But... Either way, we did at least get to see the greatest try in, Mo- in Munster's Heineken Cup history yesterday. Not the one-trick pony, in Graham Roundtree's words. Moments like that. Oh, lovely. And now Case is free. And he's... Oh, he was on his way. He might still be. This is Daly. All of a sudden, Munster pushing for the button that would give them the lead. Klein. Penalty on the way. Maybe more. Carberry as the kick came in might have affected the direction but Hodnett's there still the threat Nash weaving his way through try scored Tyburn that's a belter Uh, and given that that put Munster 13-11 up Having, I mean, I watched the first half hour of this game and I was like, this could be Anthony. That's a worry, wasn't it? <laughs> like, Toulouse yeah. could put 50 points on Munster here. Uh, I'd then to think that just, uh, I think it was like 20 minutes of actual gameplay later, Munster are ahead. Um, yeah, I mean. Best was, try by an Irish team in Toulouse since. Hickey runs like Lynn for Christie. I was, <laughs> God, Simon, I, you know, I, it should have reminded me of that, but it didn't. I was there, Simon. Yeah, I was in Toulouse. I'll never forget it. He did run like Lynn for Christie. Did, I mean. Very, very fast. You know, say what you like about Linford Christie, Ken. He was a bloody fast runner. He was. Uh, <laughs> so how Munster, How should Munster feel about this? Is it a moral victory even? It was a moral victory. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Donald Lennon thinks it's the best try ever scored by Munster in Europe, which is pretty high praise. Yeah, he's seen a few. Yeah. Um, and just even in the try itself, seeing the likes of Coombs, Casey, Daly, play like that sort of out the back passes, you know, no look passes. There was four or five within that mm. phase and there's no way they'd have tried that last season that bunch of players and they did lose but it was so different in so many ways because they survived that early onslaught they they conceded the try to Toulouse Carberry got smashed in the tackle a few times he missed a few kicks at goal he was playing well in open play but missed those kicks at goal and you're wondering how he's feeling about mm. the whole Ireland drop from the Ireland squad um, there was one reckless tackle actually from Richie Arnold that could have was certainly a yellow should have been looked at, could have been a red. Um, but that try in itself, I was thinking about it, and it does a few things for a team in Munsters where they are in their evolution. It gets players excited and energised. You can see that immediately afterwards, yeah. but just in the days afterwards, in the weeks afterwards. Um, it's and something I, they can all point to, like as a yeah. group of players. Okay, we did it in pretty much the hardest place to go and play rugby in the world. Yeah, enough in yeah. doing it against Toulouse yeah. matters as well. I never understand how underrated that factor is of getting players excited, energised, getting your adrenaline going by the way that you play, not just, you know, playing rugby by uh, numbers as yeah. they've done over the last few seasons. The, uh, for all that, 
the draw was pretty. Uh, the draw was mm. pretty unfair to them. Yeah, uh, I mean, given the f- you you play who you play, judging on, uh, based on where you uh, finish in the pool. So yep. it's, not, it's not that it was a draw, but it is a tough, tough place to go. They have to go to South Africa to play the Sharks, which is yeah. not and that's Etzebeth, Khaleesi, Oxenshay, Mbanambi. It's in the heat. I think in the heat in that stage in, in South Africa. Long flight, obviously, uh, just after the Six Nations. Um, but they can win it now. I think the difference is they go there and know they can win it. And th- that sort of try again. The other thing is it means you can win games against better teams or teams with better players than you. And it means teams start to think a bit more. Certainly their defence coaches start to think a bit more about what they have to do to cope with Munster. And Orgy Snyman apparently has come back in February. Mm. Uh, the he way was on the pitch last week anyway. Yeah, the way Coombs is playing, they're finally getting something out of Fekitoa. Ex-All Black should have been playing like this the whole time, but... That's three players who should make a massive difference if they're all playing a tough one. Yeah, Leinster are playing Ulster, which is probably a draw that Ulster are not super excited about, I would think. But, I mean, and it is kind of, it's a pity as well, because mm. you want the three teams to to last in the competition for as long as possible. Mm. That'll probably be in the Aviva. Yeah. Um, you know, the, did they sell 43,000 tickets? Did you say, say that earlier? Yeah, 43,000 uh, for... Not a dead rubber against Racing, but certainly not a game that Leinster fans would be particularly excited about. Pool game against a French team who may not want to be there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so certainly with Ul- Ulster would bring 15,000 down, I'd say. So you would fill the Aviva for that. Mm. And Ulster, I don't know, actually. I think for Ulster, it's a free shot. Like anybody else, they play anybody else. And I think people think Ulster have a chance. People are going to rule out Ulster's chances. They're going to have a good few fans there at it. Uh, it means they don't have to fly anywhere. And there's the no twen- one beats Vita twen- Scarlet 17 times in a row. <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, there's the 2019 quarterfinal when they were up in the second half. Jacob Stockdale beats three people on the left wing and doesn't put the ball down. Mm. And that would have put them two scores ahead and playing really well. And Leinster looking rattled in that game. So Ulster have started to push Leinster close. They tend not to win the games they should win, but at least they have some sort of residual memory there. Yeah, and Connacht have Benetton away in the Challenge Cup after uh, fielding a weekend team against mm, Newcastle. And more Saturday. talk of Bundy wanting to leave, even talk of Bundy going to Munster. Yeah. But Bundy turns 33 in April. And we've yeah. a lot of depth in that position. Yeah, I don't know. Him agitating for a move, I don't know how strong a position he's in. Put yeah, it yeah. It's a very strange situation what's going on with Bundy Aki uh, in Connacht at the moment. We'll be talking more rugby tomorrow on the World Service. We'll be talking about the NFL playoffs with the US Murph later in the week as well. So now would be a tremendous time to join the World Service. For just a five or a month, you get six shows completely ad-free every week. So get to secondcaptains.com forward slash join and we'd love to have you. There was also the Ireland Club Finals on in Croker yesterday, which we'll get to a little later on. But first, let's talk boxing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot of times you say something on this show and you're like, geez, you know, that could come back to bite me in the arse now, you know. But like, I can just come out and say what I like about the Scotland rugby team. They will, you'll never ever get a chance to play audio back to me and be like, what were you thinking? How could you have come out and said such a thing? Oh, Florida, Scotland, when will we see your like again? Scotland are a disgrace to world sports. That fought and died for the jobs. Your wee bit hill and glen and stood against him. My name's Jacqueline McCaffrey. Proud Edwards Army. You're always on the three bit hill. Never fit. And sent him home. Scotland rugby team. The sporting world's greatest pinata. Do you think again? <laughs> weekend that might have flown under your radar was the IABA Senior Elite Finals which saw at least one major casualty at the National Stadium World Champion at 63 kilograms Amy Broadhurst beaten at a slightly heavier weight of 66 kilograms by Gronje Walsh which puts her participation in Paris at the Olympics next year in serious jeopardy as it's Irish boxing it's never exactly as easy as all that but Gavin Casey of the 42 is here to try and talk us through the repercussions for this Gavin how are you? Flying at Murph how are you? Yeah I'm good I'm good the senior finals uh, is a brilliant night in and of itself I've been lucky enough to have been at them a couple of times but they always take on a much bigger edge when the Olympics are you know uh, six months away or 18 months away as we are now from Paris what does this mean for one of uh, only five Irish world champion boxers in our history to lose her national title. What does she have to do now to qualify for the Olympics? Yeah, it is pretty disastrous in all honesty for Amy. I suppose just to give some parameters to the conversation or, or lay a, an added few layers of context so that it makes as much sense as possible. She won her world and European titles last year in that biblical 2022 calendar year that she put together as you outlined, Murph, at 63 kilograms, that's light welterweight. Now, her optimal fighting condition weight would probably be 60 kg lightweight. Lightweight, 60 kg is an Olympic division. Light welterweight, 63, where she won those medals last year, those two massive international medals, is not in an Olympic category. And the next Olympic category up is 66, and that's where she competed uh, in this year's seniors, and that's where she lost to Gronia Walsh in Saturday's 66 kg final. The reason why she would have competed up as high as 60 kg, which again would be six kilograms, almost a stone above her optimal fight weight, um, is in order to try to gain entry or selection for Olympic qualifiers. People will ask the question as to why she didn't go down and fight at 60, which is her normal fighting weight or her optimal weight, and that's because. There's a, a woman there by the name of Kelly Harrington who stands in her way as 
the bona fide, pretty cemented number one in the eyes of the Irish coaches, selectors, etc. Now, the IABA's high performance unit have a system, um, a point system it's being described as basically a series of metrics uh, with which they decide who is the number one fighter in each weight division and who should be selected for uh, future international tournaments. Um, Amy Broadhurst, it was my understanding prior to the seniors that even if she had gone in at lightweight, challenged Kelly Harrington and won, that she wouldn't necessarily be selected for future international tournaments because Kelly Harrington, uh, in the eyes of those coaches and based on the data that they have collated, would still be the preferred right. selection, and, basically. Yeah, and that's yeah. not uh, in and of itself a bad idea, I suppose, from the point of view of, okay, let's try and get our best boxers to the Olympics. Therefore, one bad night at the at the seniors shouldn't necessarily mean... I mean, uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. That, that sounds fair enough to me, you know, if, from the point of view of, okay, we have to actually select a team most likely to win Olympic medals and... You maybe you shouldn't be hidebound by the idea that someone's going in carrying an injury to the nationals or or whatever. But th- like, exactly. I suppose that's the the argument they would make at least. Exactly, and I actually completely agree with you, and I completely agree with that argument. It's a scientific selection process rather than just going on a hunch or based on an eye test over the course of nine minutes on a given Saturday night in January. Now, I should stress as well. It, sometimes when it's framed as though. Amy almost couldn't challenge Kelly or that she was advised against it, et cetera. I could understand how Kelly Harrington might get annoyed by that because like, this is a woman who uh, just won her 10th national title, is a world champion, European champion, Olympic champion. Let's not forget that. And if you were to point a gun to my head and ask who would win between Kelly Harrington and Amy Broadhurst at 60 kg at the moment, I would say Kelly Harrington uh, at this juncture of their respective careers. So it's, it, it that theoretically Broadhurst could have just entered at 60 kg anyway, right? She could have gone in and challenged Harrington Uh, as she sees it. She might've beaten Harrington. It just wouldn't have been enough is, is the sort of general understanding out there at the moment. Now she looked at 66 kg, which is the next available Olympic slot. Uh, It's a really vicious division, not only because the fighters up there are physically larger than Broadhurst, but because Ireland have, four incredibly four international medal winners in that division so you had christina desmond who incidentally didn't compete at 66 this time around she won it up at 70 i think she just with work etc couldn't quite get down to the 66 limit you have lisa o'rourke who is broadhurst fellow world champion who is injured at the moment but is looking um to come down from 70 to 66 because again 70 isn't an olympic division so she's going to be trying to qualify there and then you have grania walsh excuse me, Gronia Walsh, uh, European medalist, EU championship medalist, one of the most talented fighters in Ireland who's had a plethora of injuries, particularly to her hands, which have probably held her back or kept her under the radar. And then you have Amy Broadhurst, European champion, world champion, Commonwealth champion, all in the space of a year. Amy Broadhurst, I'm not saying that she would have looked at 66 as like an easier route, but it may have felt as though a route that would yield a, a more likely Olympic qualifier selection for her. Um, but this idea that like she couldn't challenge Harrington at all uh, is incorrect. She theoretically could have. She absolutely could have. She could have just weighed in as a lightweight. If she beat Harrington convincingly, maybe it would have given the coaches something to think about outside of their metric system. In the end, Broadhurst made the decision to compete at 
66 and was beaten in an absolutely stunning final. Uh, and you said at the top, or, or possibly just before we came on air, sorry, Murph, that it was a... How did you frame it? It was a shock. It's a shock, not a but, not a, but not a surprise. And that's that's the thing. It, it was probably... I saw people afterwards describe it as, you know, as a shock result, let's say, and I just did not agree with that at all. I would have had this on paper as a 50-50 final coming into it. I think it does a disservice to both Broadhurst and to Walsh to uh, to even really frame it as an upset because Grony Walsh is a, an extraordinarily talented, really powerful fighter who has worked her ass off to get into this position, particularly with all of those injuries uh, that she has suffered from, including most recently one to her baby toe. I think she was in there with a broken baby toe and didn't tell anybody about it because she didn't want to be pulled. And then you have Amy Broaders who's fighting nearly a stone above her natural weight. So that was a huge leveler to my mind. I was actually, for want of a better term, I was kind of shitting it before the final because it's one of those where the stakes are so high, you know how diligently both athletes have prepared for it and all of the work they've put in over the years they're both really brilliant characters as well and uh, without having a horse in the race i just did not want to see either of those women lose that fight and unfortunately somebody had to and in this instance it was a reigning european and world champion which indicates the level of talent we're dealing with in irish boxing and irish women's boxing in particular Okay, so what does Amy Broadhurst have to do now to qualify for the Olympics? Does this massively put her behind the eight ball? It does. Joe O'Neill from irishboxing.com was doing a report for ourselves, actually, the 42 at the weekend, and he framed it magnificently or phrased it brilliantly in saying that she's caught between a rock in Harrington down at 60 kg and a hard place, which is 66 kg, and it is quite literally hard. And the issue for Broadhurst is that, I suppose, if Harrington continues to win, as she should, um, and if, say, God would, well, I mean, we would hope that Harrington doesn't suffer from injury issues around qualifiers, etc., then that avenue is closed off to her. And I would say then that based on what we saw of Amy at 66, even though she showed extraordinary heart uh, in that defeat to Grony Walsh, it was conspicuous that she's too small for that weight class. And I would go as far as to say it would be irresponsible actually to have her compete at that weight class again. Uh, she probably got hurt in that fight. We hadn't really seen her get hurt at those lower weights. Uh, and uh, in all honesty, as much as the Olympics has probably been a lifelong ambition for Amy, there is a need to be smart here as well and not to be looking for that sort of Hail Mary up at 66 kg. Because if you're in there against bigger women and women who hit as hard as Brony Walsh or who hit as hard as well as Christina Desmond or Lisa O'Rourke, you're running the risk of actually shaving years off your career, forgetting about months or, or even picking up uh, injuries, facial injuries, etc. against bigger women. There's wear and tear that you're absorbing there that could have a detrimental impact on the rest of your career. And whatever about Broadhurst's Olympic future, there is certainly a massive and potentially very lucrative future for her in professional boxing. I say that as a journalist who has been contacted by several uh, really high-level professional boxing managers who've been inquiring about Broadhurst, what she like as a person, what she like as a fighter, etc. There are some big wigs really interested in uh, recruiting her, acquiring her services in the professional game afterwards. And if that is the route that she does choose, and she's stated certainly that she has an interest in that at some point, you don't want to be in a situation where you're, for want of a better term, washed up at 28, 29, because 
you took too much damage in the amateur ring chasing something that simply wasn't realistic. It sounds to me like if a nation was capable of sending multiple boxers in the same weight division, that you would probably... Do we have two medal contenders at 60 kgs? And that's just the unfortunate situation that Amy finds herself in. Yeah, absolutely. You could. It would be conceivable that you'd have a final between Harrington and Broaders, remarkably. Mm. I know there, there'll be others out there, including Beatrice Ferreira, who Harrington beat in the... Uh, Olympic final last time around. Now, Ferreira has actually turned professional with Brian Peters, who's Katie Taylor's manager, and she's promoted by Eddie Hearn. But with the way the Olympic rules are at the moment, you're allowed to come back and enter as uh, a professional fighter in Olympic qualifiers and represent your country at the Olympics as well. And that's Ferreira's intention. So she's going to be knocking around again. But those would probably be the top three on paper, to be totally honest. That's, and yeah, that's... It is, yeah, it's quite remarkable to have both of them in the same country and, and I guess a, a country this size and with probably comparably fewer competitors overall than some of the major powers. Uh, so is the switch to the pros the likeliest conclusion to all this, do you think, for Amy Broadhurst, our world champion? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Emmett Brennan made the point to me on Twitter yesterday that when it is your dream for your entire life, you're going to stick in the fight until you're hauled out of there or until you're definitively told otherwise. And I don't know whether I, th- I do think the door is closed at 60 kg. Uh, 66 is still probably a little bit ambiguous in that. Yes. Walsh is now the champion, but you have Christina Desmond who re- represented Ireland internationally last year, uh, superbly still in the mix there. And Lisa Rourke, who's also a world champion who wants to enter at that weight and uh, represent Ireland at, at the Paris Olympics at that weight. So I would say there will be, there's road left to run in the story at 66. I personally would, would not like to see Amy involved in that mix anymore, but it's her decision. It's her complex subjective life experience. And she may want, may want to get to Paris more than anything else. And I would say that's the only way in at this point, whether or not that's possible based on what I saw on Saturday night, probably not. That being said, it's a fir- it was her first time fighting up at that weight. Is there an argument to be made that you can physically acclimatize a little bit more with just a little bit of a different approach to say S and C and things like that? There probably is an argument. I just don't think it's a particularly strong one. And I would imagine based on what had happened at the weekend, there will be, uh, an increase in contact made with broaders by some of the managers to whom I allude. Uh, because at the end of the day, she remains a European and world champion, reigning in both senses. And if the Olympic pathway is closed off to her, then you'd want to be bringing her into your stable pretty lively and just unleashing her on professional boxing, where I genuinely see her as being almost a, a potentially transcendent athlete in women's boxing in particular because as you know from say watching a lot of katie taylor's fights there aren't many knockouts in uh, female professional boxing it's probably what holds it back to some degree as a product of entertainment and amy broadhurst packs a wallop like uh, her left hand has been nuclear even up at 63 kg which again is a little bit north of where she would prefer to be fighting so if you had her in at lightweight i think she'd start taking names and clearing house pretty quickly. And ultimately, the way you build a professional fighter in this day and age, Murph, is to have highlight reels packaged into two minutes on social media. And if suddenly there's this powerful, um, aesthetically pleasing in, in a boxing sense, uh, athlete coming from the you know from Dundalk, Ireland, uh, somebody with connections to Katie Taylor in a professional sense in that she helped her 
spar she sparred Taylor in advance of that Serrano fight. She is a just add water type of pro. Yeah. And no matter what she does, I'm excited to see what she does. But uh, yeah, I would, I'd be leaning towards her going pro if I was in her corner, I'd put it that way. Yeah. And, and briefly, who do you think will actually represent Ireland at the 66 kg weight uh, in Paris? Grania Walsh is now in the box seat, I presume, but she's, she's not there yet. She hasn't booked her ticket or anything like it uh, as of yet. No, not yet. And to, to answer your question, honestly, I really don't have a bull's notion. Like I haven't a clue who emerges from that bottleneck. The, the funny thing is I, I've seen, like I've seen both Walsh beat Christina Desmond and I've seen Desmond beat Walsh. And sometimes it just depends on who can get a free enough run at it in terms of prep. Like we're talking about an amateur sport per se, and obviously work schedules, various things get in the way. So it's like, who can be best conditioned when they meet in the middle? And then you have Lisa O'Rourke, who's this real wild card. The variable is that, well, there are two variables. She's injured at the moment. Don't know how quickly that's going to heal uh, an injury to her hand. And then, she's taking off a lot of weight in order to get down to 66 and you don't know how that might affect her physically so it's a long-winded way of saying again i don't have a clue i'm just excited to see how it plays out great stuff gavin thanks for joining us thanks Murph. one person lifting a small nation it's just it's just amazing like this is the stuff that dreams are made of like i'm losing we all grew up together, so all my life I know it's just the best. My hands are soft as cotton gloves. Yeah, I'm a boxer and I've been boxing for about two years now. Machine has eaten up my job. And when Kelly does win this boxing, it's going to go very up for girls. My meaning, my call. I used to always see Kelly trying to do stuff for other people. I shovel coal down Spencer's dog. And I think she's an inspiration to a lot of people. I took it here into it love. It means a lot, because if I train hard, I can do anything. You did a bear as a beautiful do you think that you could be in an Olympic final someday? Yeah, well, I'm hoping one day I could. Kelly Harrington, Beatrice Ferreira. Here we go. Two decent ones for Ferreira again. Harrington, keep it going. The shades from Zora John. Can she continue what she's doing? Goes to the body again. Lovely right hook to the side of the head. Beautiful shot. What a fight this is. Beautiful left. Right hook dance. Left hook dance from Harrington. Uppercut from Ferreira. Ferreira has to go for it. She's still dancing in there. She's still moving in there. Ten seconds. Surely Harrington has done enough in the lightweight final. Bang. There's the bell. What a performance. With gold enough to win back time. And She's done it! Olympic champion Kelly Harrington! Goal for the darling of Dublin! Michael Carruth, Katie Taylor, and now Kelly Harrington! Olympic champion! Okay, there's just one more thing on today's agenda, and uh, Ken, I know that you've seen some disturbing photographs from the final moments of yesterday's All-Ireland Club football final between Kilmacook Crooks and Glenn of Derry. Mm. To set the scene, 
Crooks are two points up, two and a half minutes into, injury, in, into three minutes of injury time. They make two substitutes before Glenn gets a chance to take a 45. The two players come on, the two substitutes come on, and what happens next, Ken? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I don't understand this at all. How, how can that happen? I know. It, it's, it's, I'll try to explain it as best I can. So the, the, a screen grab has gone around the world twice with 16 men all like honeypotted around the uh, Kilmacud Grooks goal defending this last ditch move. So there are 16 players on the pitch at that moment defending that key, uh, that key moment. The 17th man is Paul Mannion and he's actually not completely irrelevant either because he's standing in the right corner of Glenn's attack slowly making his way off the field but actually with his body and his head his entire body faced towards the goal not actually making any attempt to get off the field to play. So this is unconsciously colouring the kicker's attempt at maybe the, dropping the ball off to the side to allow you know the massive diag to be hit to the far post. A much more likely angle from which to score the goal they need than a 45 hit straight on that's just basically dropping straight on top of uh, you know 16 defenders. <laughs> so it's like, it's like a, you know, a Mayor Ishke standing, filling up space on the field on the opponent's kick-out, as, a, as had been happening for years until people cottoned onto it. So Mannion is number 17. The 16th man is literally on the goal line where he had saved a goal-bound effort from David Moore of Karen Zorali in the semi-final. This is pretty egregious, Ken. Um, it's a fairly egregious uh, breaking of the rules. Well, it's just like it's surely... I mean, it's quite simple. It's just throw them out of the competition. Uh, <laughs> why is that not a, like it's obvious it's, you can't you know you can't do what that. can you do yeah, yeah you no one noticed it at the time uh well everyone the fans watching, noticed uh, everyone watching on television noticed it uh 30 seconds after it had happened because the camera focused in on the number 14 darren mullen coming off the field when everyone had seen the two subs running on 30 seconds before to try and defend the uh, to try and d- defend the 45 so at that stage everyone was like well he's not making his way across from the stand like he he, he was on the pitch mm. so at that juncture it should have been really obvious to the fourth official and to the referee that something something had been, had gone wrong mm. and like this happened in the Dublin Mayo game in 2021 I'm sure people will remember the Rob Henley free that equalised that game it, had, it was retaken. He had missed the first attempt because a Dublin sub hadn't gotten off the field. That mm. was a fourth official doing his job, as in he'd said to the referee, there were 16 Dublin players on when Henley hit that free. And this is Rob Henley going for a point. So Dublin could have had 25 players on the field. It mm. wouldn't have mattered. He was, you know, it, it, the kick didn't drop short. It went wide. Mm. So it didn't matter, really, that Dublin had 16 players on the field. But the referee said, no, we have to retake the free because there's 16 players on the field. Like, it was a shot that went, the, the 45 was picked up by a player for Glenn, for Glenn and the shot went a foot wide. Now, Kilmacud, the defender on the line, not the number 14 that should have gone off, but another defender on the line and the keeper almost certainly had it covered. But at the same time, <laughs> it's, there are still 16 players on the field. If they didn't have an extra man on the, on the goal line who shouldn't have been there, then... They would have Glenn would have had more room to perhaps work a work a, a goal that would have won the All Ireland Club final. It's a massive mess. Like it is a big, big mess. The way, sorry, Ken. Yeah, no, go on. The the only thing is here, right? In this situation, is more off. The way this is being framed at the moment is, well, if Glenn appeal, 
you know, so it, if Glenn, it, the, the ball is entirely in Glenn's court. In, in, and in, they're seeking clarification. Glenn are seeking clarification. As of last night, they released a, a statement. But it, sh- it shouldn't come down to whether Glenn, like, it, no. it becomes a matter of sportsmanship then, rather than a matter of was there a rule bro- broken or not. And it boils down to, well, Glenn, do you want to lose the right way or the wrong way, basically, is how this is framed in a lot of people's heads. Well, which it sh- I don't understand. I mean, they, they cheated. <laughs> they knew they were cheating. Well, they had, they, they had 17, they, 17 players presume, on the pitch. That's Kimmel could a, presumably don't want to win it this way. Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's, but it's a, it's a joke. No, so you're talking about Glenn wanting to lose it the right way or the wrong way. Yeah. Surely yeah, Kilmer yeah. could want to win it the right way. Well, What's the excuse? The excuse is that, we the, player, didn't know. that the player ran on and he uh, handed this, the, the, well, no, he hands the slip to the fourth official in that case. So he runs on, he takes up his position, he shouts to the man who's supposed to go off. Yeah. You're off. Yeah. And he and, and the the guy didn't doesn't hear it. I didn't hear it. I mean, it's certainly that's a plausible. Uh, that's an unbelievably plausible way of going about of player, of looking. Does this, ha- does, yeah, this ha- ha- does this happen all the time then? No. No. So why no, doesn't it? it happen? Be- why doesn't it happen all the time? Because at inter county level, fourth officials are doing their job, and at uh, and you know even like for, what am I talking about fourth like referees know that when for a player to come on someone has to leave yeah. <laughs> so it's like this is uh, I would say it's something that's been botched by the official team without a shadow of a doubt rather than it being Kilmacud purposely flooding like you know multiple players on there's no the, way they want to risk do you this? think well I wonder if if the two guys had come off without the substitutes going on would Kilmacud have noticed there was a there was a discrepancy. The two guys going off. The two guys running on. If, if, they, if they'd been 13 rather than 17. Yeah. Would oh, they have been I, like... I think they probably they would have They would have noticed. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just with the extra few players. It just, you know, it's... Yeah. It, you just, you, it's I'm sorry, there's just so many people around. I couldn't notice, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just purple everywhere. But no, it is. It's it's such a mess. And I, like, But it's not a mess. It's like, it's just disqualify them and... Award the game well, to the opponent. The it's that simple. Disqualification isn't going to happen. But why not? A replay isn't going to happen. But like teams get get, um, you know, if you field an ineligible player or something in a mm. game, the you know the game gets awarded to the to the other team. Like I mean, it's simple. Well, listen, I, I honestly, why, I why honestly, what's not what's not simple about this? Like you have to, you have to punish the team for doing that. I I think uh, like I. Abs- like, okay. I think, I mean, I think yeah, you're what's, correct. What's, I do actually think you're correct. What's the politics of this? The, the politics is, it, it comes, it, the GA will not get involved in this. Centrally, the GA won't get involved in this. It'll co- if, if Glenn make a big song and dance about this, I think there is a chance that the, the replay will be, will be offered. A replay? Yeah. Yeah. But why not just a disqualification? Because it's, it's like, it's an, it's an error that I think is more at the feet of the official team than it is... The, uh, you know the team of officials. Then it is. Then it falls on Kilmacud. They tried to make two substitutions. Well, they, whatever they, happened. They, they whatever happened. They did better than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, but whatever happened, there, the message was not passed to the player who should have left. The surge. Which is, yeah. The which is surge. Yeah. Which is you know that's absolutely feasible. You know it's the last minute of an, of an Ireland final. People are like, the, you know, they're, they're literally every single one of their players is back on the goal line. So like. Communication shouldn't be that difficult, but at the same time, but this is I the most slickly run amateur organisation in Europe. Kilmacud Crooks mm. or the GA? <laughs> Kilmacud Crooks. Well, listen, even Homer nods. It, it, it was. Uh, it's an unbelievably like and all of this, of course, plays out under the, against the backdrop of well, 
people have ideas about how Shane Walsh ended up playing for Kilmer Crooks this year. So going into this final, Kilmer Crooks were by no means flavour of the month with your garden variety GA fan. And for them to win in this in this way, just, it's, it is. I, I, ju- I just don't salty. understand how, how it's allowed. But like, if you, want to, if you want to do it that way, fine. I, for me, I think the players, the team should have the same number of players. I mean, in the I, rules. I'm See, broadly speaking, I'm with you again. <laughs> yeah, but it's just... For the whole game. I just think it's, it seems like a, a pretty important you know, yeah. component of team sport, you know, yeah. like not, not breaking the rules we in agree the most flagrant the way. Yeah, if we agree at the start, how many, is, is this 10 aside, 12 aside, or 15 aside? But what, what is so complicated about just disqualifying them? Sorry, guys. And, you know, it's, it's like whenever, whenever a team feels an ineligible player, oh, no, someone, someone made a mistake there. That shouldn't have happened. Well, still, like, you did it. It was your fault. And Some would say that that's disproportionate for 30 seconds of having... An extra but it, just, it doesn't matter whether it's thirty seconds or not. Like they know what they know what they're supposed to do. You know, I mean, what if if you don't punish them, then how, how can you ever punish anyone for doing it? Listen, Ken. Oh, we might up, offer br- a replay. A guy runs on like you, people. Listen, people flood onto the pitch and save the save the day, and it's like, well, we'll offer you a replay. You've met a lot of very. Interesting. I do, but I, don't, I just and don't understand what's. It's like it's regrettable. It's like sorry. Well, I mean, you know? no, it's, it's the same thing. as like uh, if you foul someone on the pitch, it, you don't say immediately it's a red card. You know, like there are there are grades of punishment uh, proportionate to the uh, yeah. But what you're the, saying is, committed. if someone commits a red card offence, you go, well, hang on, it's given good croaks. No, no, I mean we shouldn't do. We shouldn't enforce the quite well, maybe, the, quite maybe the opposite. Maybe. I would say, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean the. But that's that is the situation. Like, like if you're going by the rule book, there is there's like uh, three grades of punishment. You know, so it's like disqualification from the tournament, uh, from the competition. Uh, there's a fine, or there's uh, you know there's like the well, a fine means unto to them, obviously. I I didn't say that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so this is it. Like I mean, like it is. It's it, like it's it's the, the big thing that I would say is. It shouldn't be on Glenn, regardless of like what happens next. Well, it shouldn't be on. It shouldn't be on Glenn to say because people are saying, "Oh, their manager was too nice appeal. after the game and saying we're not that sort of club and we won't bother pursuing." See, it. People is, saying, again, "Oh, he's the, been too nice." The framing sure. of that is just bizarre. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if if the GA, the, it's like it's blatantly. It's, this is not one of those situations where like video evidence is inconclusive. Like the whole country has seen these photographs, so the GA know exactly what happened. They know the timeline of what happened. So it should be on them to make the decision, and they have to do something because teams are going to push it in future. They're going to try and sneak on a player every now and then. I mean, I, knowing I, there's no repercussions. Well, do you know, you don't think there's bigger things here than than this this one you know, season of a of a club championship? The game itself is at stake, <laughs> and therefore the nation. Well, the game. I mean, it's it does. Like, the game and the got, nation are one and the same. So you've got I'm, to you've got to be serious. Stick me back to you know. You know at at some level, you've you've got to you've got to get serious. You've got to get real. Mm. And if teams are are putting on players and not taking players off, that's a bit of a joke. Mm-hmm. Well, know, in the meantime, I will we'll, thank uh, you. We'll watch it all with you, Murph. Gurmagat Ken as for August by on Arash Amorik, and don't forget, no Jenigi Jarmuth. I won't do the ACAS Creator Network mention Oscar Elga though. I have too much respect <laughs> for the good people at the ACAS Creator Network. But we, the Second Hamster Podcast, are indeed part of that august organisation.
It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. If you're a Shark Tank fan or business junkie, check out the podcast Another Bite. Each week, Another Bite breaks down the biggest success stories and most disastrous failures to come out of Shark Tank. The hosts break down each company's pitch, analyze the deals that were or weren't made, and answer the million-dollar question, are they still a company? Whether you're an entrepreneur looking for tips or a Shark Tank fan that just wants to relive the drama, Another Bite's your deep dive into the world of Shark Tank. Just search for Another Bite in your favorite podcast app, like the one you're listening to right now.